Welcome back, Holy Messes. This is episode 18 of A Holy Mess with His Holy Mess, Father Paul. Thank you for coming back and listening. Thank you for being a uh, uh, a podcast follower, a fellow Holy Mess, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm very grateful that uh, in this particular episode, I, uh, I, I, I was so gracious uh, to have received the answer yes when I reached out to Matthew Kelly, uh, who really needs no introduction, although there are some of you that listen to my podcast that you admit to me. I don't even go to church, but I I, I listen to your podcast. I I don't know anything about Catholicism. So for those of you who don't know who Matthew Kelly is, let me just say something official about him, and then I'll say something uh, uh, informal about him. Uh, But Matthew Kelly is a best-selling author, speaker, thought leader, entrepreneur, consultant, spiritual leader, and innovator. He has dedicated his life to helping people and organizations become the best version of themselves. He was born in Sydney, Australia. He began speaking and writing in his late teens while he was attending business school. Since this time, 5 million people have attended his seminars and presentations in more than 50 countries. Today, Kelly is an international acclaimed speaker, author, and business consultant. He founded the Dynamic Catholic Institute, and his books have been published in more than 30 languages, having appeared in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today bestseller list. And they have sold more than 50 million copies. Uh, in his early 20s, he developed the best version of yourself concept has it, and has been sharing it in every arena of life for more than 25 years. It is quoted by presidents and celebrities, athletes and their coaches, business leaders and innovators. Though perhaps it is never more powerfully quoted than when a mother or father asks a child, Will that help you become the best version of yourself? His personal interests include golf, music, art, literature, investing, spirituality, and spending time with his wife, Maggie, and their children, Walter, Isabel, Harry, Ralph, and Simon. Matthew Kelly, welcome to the A Holy Mess with His Holy Mess show. Great to be with you. Wow, that I, that's quite the bio. I I I don't know if I've had anyone on yet with a bio uh, quite like that. Uh, that that that's quite impressive. Uh, so thank you for being here and for taking the time to do this. You're very very welcome. Now the informal thing that I was going to say uh, to all the listeners out there is that when I was a seminarian uh, back in the year 2005 2006, uh, we seminarians, you know, we were just told where to go and forced where to go, like a uh, like ducks following a mother goose. And uh, we went to this thing called a, a focus conference. It was my first year in the seminary. Uh, I was a junior in college. And the keynote speaker was a guy named Matthew Kelly. Had never heard of him. All they said was that uh, he was uh, the, the author of this book called Rediscover Catholicism and was from the country of Australia. Matthew, by the time your talk was over, my jaw was completely on the floor. I had never heard a talk like that in my entire life. I got as many copies as possible of Rediscover Catholicism. I got as many copies of that Focus, because uh, they recorded it, CD, DVD, forced my parents to watch it. <laughs> Didn't even care about their free will. Forced my parents to watch it and anybody. And then for my graduation, when I graduated from the college seminary, my mom asked, what do you want? And I said, I want to go to Ohio on a Matthew Kelly retreat. And that became a reality. So 
you were extremely instrumental, especially in my early days in the seminary and not just in my seminary formation indirectly, but uh, in my formation of what it means to be a, a Catholic person, a disciple. So this really means a lot to me that you're here. So again, thank you very much. It's a great story. Thank you for sharing. And uh, since then, I, I you know, it's been, it's been a while since I've seen you. Uh, and congratulations. I haven't seen or talked to you since uh, the last time I saw you. I, I don't even think you were married yet. So congratulations on your family and, and your, your, your children. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it's another great journey. I think it's taught me so much. Um, being a husband, being a dad, it's, it's just incredible. And um, it's just taught me so much. I think it's changed the way I write. I think it's changed the things I write about. And hopefully that that helps to resonate with more people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really like the, um, the the story that you told in this book, which we'll get into in into a second about that you were writing the manuscript and one of your sons, I believe, came in and, you know, what are you working on? He said, holy moments. He said, what's that? And then you gave him the example of, of him wanting to get donuts for his younger brother. Uh, and he wasn't even a fan of donuts. I, I had a younger brother. He has since uh, gone to heaven. Um, but I got to be honest with you. Your son showed me up on that because I would have never thought of my brother ahead of me. Those donuts would have been gone before we even got home. So Yeah, that's my eldest, Walt. He's a very thoughtful kid. What Do you have five? Yes. Five children. Wow. How old is the oldest and how young is the youngest? So Walter's going to turn 13 next week. And, um, and Simon just turned six on the 1st of January. Amazing. And are you still based out of Ohio? Are you still living in Ohio these yep, days? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. And are you traveling now as more than ever? I have not been traveling. I took a year off before COVID. And um, I just had a couple of big projects. And I just, for Dynamic Catholic, and I just, I needed to focus some things. And I'd been on the road for more than 25 years. Uh, so I decided to take a year off before COVID and then COVID came. So then I was off that year. Sure. And, uh, one of the things that we worked on during that was streaming both through the dynamic Catholic website. And also, uh, we started my YouTube channel and you know, I've been amazed at how people can be reached, um, through YouTube, through podcasts, through things like that. Um, and I've really been focusing on that for about the last probably 16 months, you know, and, and I'm just, I'm fascinated with it because we had 20 million views in the first year and like, I could never go out and speak to 20 million people and you see the comments and the people watching it. Um, it's a new audience, right? And, and we, we need to reach out into the culture and, um, and I tell the team here at Dynamic Catholic all the time, we have got to reach new people. We have got to be obsessed about reaching new people. And I told them, you know, about in in Acts, you know, where Paul, I think he's I think he's in Greece, you know, and he goes to to preach at the synagogue and they're not really that interested. And then he ends up in the marketplace and um, and just preaching and. I mean, everyone's disagreeing with him and the Stoics are beating him up and the heathens are beating him up and the Jews are criticizing him and all this sort of stuff. But he's standing right in the middle of the marketplace and he's talking to the world. And I sort of see YouTube like that in today's culture. 
You know, yes, I can go into a city and speak in a church or an arena or wherever we decide to host the event, but most of the people who will come have heard the message before. And I really, I feel like God slapped me upside the head um, that year I took off before COVID. And he just said to me, you have got to find new audiences. And, and so I love what you're doing here. Um, I think we need to do more and more of it. Um, and so I have not been on the road. And I, at this point, I do not have any intention to go back on the road, plan to do a lot more things online. And, and I see this sort of window with my kids that's really, really important to be there and, and to father them. And um, so I think it will be a couple of years before I go back on the road. Wow. Okay. Hey, you know what? I mean, obviously, we wish COVID never happened. Obviously, we wouldn't wish a pandemic on, on anyone. Um, but, you know, as God can, he doesn't, right? He, he doesn't cause evil, um, but he will uh, make good things come out of it if we let him. And one of the, the, the blessings, I guess, that has come from the pandemic is, are these new ways, as you just said, of being able to reach people that we could have never reached just by being in person. And I've heard numerous people, for instance, uh, my buddies at the Theology of the Body Institute, obviously they love and they, they love being in person and, and meeting people. Um, but they have found that because of COVID, when they did these virtual courses, or they were, they were reaching triple as many as could come in person. And they found it to be a, a, an absolute blessing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, just give God an opportunity, or as you would say, as a, a holy moment there, and uh, let's let's and it'll change the world. Yes. Yeah, and and for me too. I mean, I you know I was just stuck in the house. I didn't certainly didn't have a ministry like you or, or Christophanic or Christopher West, but you know, obviously a parish priest. But I, I I've always been on social media for sure, probably too much, but. Uh, I got the idea of doing something like this during the pandemic. I like podcasts. I like YouTube videos. And I was like, you know what? Maybe a little bit of my pride was like, I could do this. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I just, okay, here it is. And uh, it's been a blessing. I'm really enjoying it. I hope people are liking it. And um, and, and here we are. I'm talking to, to Matthew Kelly on a Holy Mess podcast. So God is good. Uh so yeah, so I, I mean, look, I personally, one thing that I like to do, and maybe I'll do this as like, maybe like a theme of maybe some other show is, you know, uh, try to ask questions about people um, that are known, but maybe they don't really know much about your own life, you know, like uh, Chris Stefanik, I had him on a couple of weeks ago and, you know, we talked about joy, you know, he has that book on joy and we talked a little bit about wokeism and you know, uh, but then I was like, you know, I, I want to, how did he get involved? Or I was interviewing somebody else. So maybe someday I'm prepared to talk to you about holy moments, but something I was thinking about you and forgive me if my ignorance, if you did write an autobiography and I, and I don't know about it, but I think it. I think I, I want to learn more about you sometime and, and how you exactly got into this. You do share a little bit about it in this book, but your latest book is called Holy Moments, a handbook for the rest of life by Matthew Kelly. First of all, I have to ask, what number of, of book is this? Because to me, I feel like you write one book at least every single year. Uh, it's it's 30-something. I shouldn't know the answer to that question. It's 30-something. All right, so I'll start off with maybe a tough question. What is different about this book, your latest book, than any other book that you've written so far? It's a great question because, interestingly, this concept has been 
in other books that I've written. And, um, but it's, it's sort of been, people have sort of gone over it um, or skipped through it. They haven't really understood the importance of it. You know, I, my conversion, I was 15 years old and um, had a friend of my family's who really confronted me. He just said to me, listen, you know, most of your friends next 10 years, they're going to leave the church. And he said to me, I'm okay if you leave the church, as long as you know what you're leaving. And he really challenged me just to take a look at the world, to take a look at Christianity, Catholicism in particular, and and myself, my whole self, physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. And and so he he became the great spiritual mentor that I speak about in this book and in other books. Um, he, first thing was he challenged me to stop by church 10 minutes a day. Um, and I had to walk past, I walked to school. I had to walk past church to go to school. Um, and then he started, challenged me to read one chapter of, of the Bible each day, starting with the Gospels. He wanted me to read the Gospels over and over for a whole year. Um, and then he challenged me to, um, to go to Mass, to go to daily Mass one day a week. And I started going, there was a Tuesday night Mass in our parish, 7.30. And I started going to Mass. It was in the intimacy of daily Mass that I really got it, that it really clicked for me. Um, the beauty and the genius of the mass. And and he used to take me to nursing homes. Um, and like on a Saturday afternoon, we'd go to a nursing home and I hated going. I resisted. I put it off all the time. But he'd take me and we'd visit these elderly people in these nursing homes. We'd sit down. He used to bring a box of chocolates and he'd offer the person a chocolate and ask, you know, do you mind if we sit and talk for a bit? And He'd ask them a few things about them, and then he'd always ask them, like, you know, what advice would you have for a 15-year-old? And it was a great, it was like a master's course in life, and it was a master's course in joy, in regret, in good choices, in poor choices, in what matters and what doesn't matter. It was just, I learned so much there. I still hated going, because naturally I'm an introvert and um, and I just struggle in situations like that. So uh, he was a great spiritual mentor, but you know the the main piece I talk about in the in this book, which is a short book, and um, I remember walking home from meeting him one day and he had been talking to me about the idea of the universal call to holiness, the idea that we are all called to holiness. God does not have favorites. we're all called to holiness. And that it that it, that it is possible, and and how the culture, and even many many people in the church, put it outside the realm of possibility. Say, oh, it's too hard, it's too complicated, it's it's not possible. And and that of course is a lie or a myth or a delusion or all of those things. And I just remember walking home and just having this sense that some moments are holy, some moments are unholy, and we get to decide. You know, we can either collaborate with God and create holy moments or turn our backs on God and create unholy moments. But we're not like, we're not victims. We don't have, we're not powerless. We're, we're not, we do have the possibility to influence in very, very powerful ways, one moment at a time. And, and so that is really where the idea came from. When I went on the road, really the idea that converted me was the concept of the universal call to holiness was the idea that we all called to holiness and that it is possible. When I first went on the road, I was 19, 
And so um, uh, I remember I would talk about the universal call to holiness and people, their eyes would just sort of roll back. You know, they just, you know, when you're talking to a group, you don't have enough time to really explain things. And, sure. um, and that's really where the best version of yourself came from. You know, I don't see becoming the best version of yourself as different than becoming holy. You know, no, I understand that some people would, but, you know, you read enough of my stuff, you understand, okay, you can't become the best version of yourself and not grow closer to God. You can't become the best version of yourself and, and not grow in holiness, not grow in virtue, character, these things. So that's where it came from. I was just trying to convey this concept of the universal call to holiness, the idea that we are all called to holiness and that some moments are, un some moments are holy, some moments are unholy, and we get to decide. Um, and so that, that's what I try to convey in the book. What's different about this book is that I take this one concept of a holy moment and it's really the only thing I talk about in the book. I, I talk about it in ways that show that it's possible, show how it works, show why it matters, show how holy moments impact our lives, our relationships in the world, show how unholy moments impact our lives, our relationships in the world. And it is a brief book, but it is, it's about that. It's about creating holy moments and understanding the power, the effect, the influence of holy moments and unholy moments on our lives and in our world. And that's amazing that you had a, a mentor like that. And um, forgive me if I, if you mentioned this, was he a, a layman or a clergyman? Yeah, he was a layman. He was a doctor, a friend of our families. Really? Yeah. See, never underestimate people what what you could could do for people. Sometimes, you know, especially some of my friends or I know some of my family, they they just think really being into their faith is for priests and nuns. And I mean, th these are, are are people just like you that are that are changing the world. You know. So I I would uh, thanks be to God for for that man. Um, what was his name? You know, he it once. Um... When right, I was well, getting started, yeah, he yeah. always wanted to remain anonymous. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll call him. That. He's not living yeah. anymore. Okay, um, right. And, uh, and and later in his life, he actually became a priest. Um, but then he passed away. He had a heart attack quite young, actually. Oh, um, but he's a great man. And, uh, you know, people always say to me, like, um, you've done all this stuff, you know. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, you read the Bible, whatever. And I just... I, like I see it as the fruit of his ministry, right? Nobody ever knew about his ministry, you know, nobody yeah. ever read his books, but I never could have done anything I've done without his mentorship and without many, many other people. There've been a lot of great priests in my life, a lot of great teachers, a lot of great coaches, um, my parents, you know, my siblings, just so many people influence a life to make anything possible and um, and so the idea of taking credit for anything is just it's lunacy, right? It, it's it's ludicrous. Yeah, um, you even mentioned that in the book that you know where the credit goes to. Yeah, that you you know who it goes to, who it belongs. And uh, I'm not sure if you were speaking specifically about that gentleman or about you know obviously in the end God, uh, who makes all those things possible. Uh, well, you kept you mentioned a couple of times that it's a short book, and it is, and I thank you for that. So it helps guys like me be able to read a, a book rather quickly. And the, the thing that I also like to, to let listeners know that that you do, I think you do it with all your books. You also personally record it for an audiobook version, correct? Yes, I did. Yeah. 
yeah that wow that, i mean that's got to be time consuming i have to imagine I got better at it over the years yeah all right so well in full disclosure i i physically read the first half and i listened to the second half on audiobook so I got through the whole, I, and it was it was really beautiful. Uh, I, I'm at a, a weekend assistant at a parish called Our Lady Lords in Mountainside. Uh, uh, that's one of the places I say mass on the weekends because currently I'm full time uh, at uh, a chaplain at one of our big cemeteries, Gate of Heaven Cemetery in East Hanover, and I help out at a couple different places on the weekend and stuff. And um, Our Lady Lords in Mountainside, they they love you there. I just so I have to say that. And the pastor, Father Haiti Hercules, is a is a huge fan. And is currently giving every single uh, person in, in the, the he gave everybody life is messy last year. Now this year uh, he's given everybody holy moments. And so he told me to tell you thank you and that that he loves what you do and his parish is really being uh, renewed uh, th- due to your ministry. So I, I had to give them a, a shout out there. That's um, beautiful. You say hello to, to them abs- for me when you go back this weekend. Absolutely. Um, now. <clears throat> One of the things that I thought was absolutely beautiful, one of the things that I always find with your books, because I've read several of them, and I'm not a huge book reader, but uh, one of the things that I like about your books is that you, I think, this is me speaking now, not you, you take really, sometimes could be really complicated stuff or theology, and you make it so practical and simple, and you really encourage people. You know, I, I have to be honest, and like, this is just me being too honest sometimes. Sometimes I'll listen to a Catholic speaker or, or an author, and they use these words. I have no idea what they're talking about, zero. And I don't know what it has to do with me personally. And this is somebody with a theology degree, okay, and a master's in divinity. But with you, when I read a book that you do, I'm like, you know, I, I could do it. Like, I could do what he's saying. I could actually do this. You know, th- this is this is practical for me. So you you always do talk about a lesson and you get into an area of, you know, whether you're addressing God or theology or the world or, or politics or something like that. But it always comes down to something very simple. Um, and this book really kind of brought me back to that, even to the point where even though I was only listening and reading to it in the past couple of days, and this is not to pat myself on the back. Um, I was even getting like a little annoyed with it because I kept thinking I, I, like something would happen. I bet. Oh, okay. Let this be a holy moment. Okay. You know, <laughs> even like something like, outside, there was like so a lot of trash and I'm like, well, that's not my litter. And then I was like, you know what? What if, all right, no, let this be a holy moment. And I'm like, Oh, Matthew Kelly, come on here. Uh, <laughs> But I'm serious. These little things can change the world. And you you always do this stuff with math, which is like, I, you know, when you talked about uh, you, 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 you get people to see a bigger vision. You, you gave some type of example of would you rather ha- have a million dollars right now or a penny, for, uh, please, uh, a, a penny doubled every single day or something like that? Is that what you said? Yeah, would you rather have a million dollars right now or would you rather have a penny that doubles every day for 30 days? For 30 days. And in now, because I know of your writing and I, I'm like, well, I'm going to have to pick the penny <laughs> one because I know it's going to be better, but I'd rather have the million dollars. But when you said that if you pick a penny that doubles every day for 30 days, that you'll have 10 point something million dollars, I'm like, what? Like, are you kidding me? 
and I found that not only in this book, but but other books that that I've read of yours, uh, you you use math to show us how much the world can be changed by by just a very small thing, or thinking outside of the box. You know, uh, it's it's something. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a little embarrassed right now, but people are used to this because I always mess this up. So here, uh, there was a couple years ago at my parish, we had a book club and we read, um, you have a book for dynamic ways to, for the signs of a dynamic Catholic. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. It was absolutely fascinating. Absolutely. Fa and a lot of it had to do with books and the distribution of books. And I, my whole point is here is that I love the way that you get us to think bigger or to expand our minds to think of things outside of the box of how things could really be practical. You know, and how if we, if three people, right? What, what did you say about three people sharing this book? Yeah, so I, uh, I basically in the book I encourage people to really understand the concept of holy moments, and then to share the concept with three other people. You know, and and then I do the math of if we do that. You know, so if so, there were a million. There are a million copies were pre-ordered before the book was even printed. So. I took that number and I said, okay, if a million people share it with 3 million people, that's 4 million people, you know, and if the 3 million new people share it with 3 million people, that's then 13 million people, you know, and if the 9 million people share it with 3 million people, now we're at 40 million people. And I basically take them through the math and it's only, I think it's seven cycles before you get to the entire population of the United States. And it's, I think it's 10 cycles before you get to the entire population of the world. And so the idea of share, share the concept with three people, you know, do your bit. And of course, most people, once they start doing it, they don't stop at three people. But if everyone who read the book shared it with three people, um, we, we would share this whole me this message with the whole world. And it is a simple message, but it is an, it's an insanely practical message. And as you uh, shared just earlier, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And you will see it and you will hear it everywhere you go, in every situation, in every circumstance, in every relationship. You will see the invitation, the challenge to create holy moments. You will see when you are falling into unholy moments. You will see it in other people. You will see other people squandering opportunities for holy moments. Um, the nature of the concept is that it is, you just can't unsee it, unhear it once you know about it. I realize I, I, I didn't even ask you what a holy moment is for our listeners. You, you did say that you realized that there were holy moments and unholy moments. Um, but for the person who doesn't even know what we're talking about, what is a holy moment? And how can they choose them? Or what is the difference between a holy moment and an unholy moment? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is that for the most part, we actually know. You know, we we see moments and we can see, okay, was that a holy moment or an unholy moment? It's important that we affirm that there is something within us that does actually know. But in the book, I do go a little further and define it. And I, I essentially say that a holy moment is a moment where we, we set aside self-interest, we set aside whatever our own desires are, we open ourselves up to God, we ask God what He wants us to do in that moment, and then we collaborate with God in that, to bring that about, and, and that's a holy moment. 
One thing I would like to clear up, and I think this is a good forum to do it, like some people say, well, we set aside self-interest and we set aside what we desire to do. I talk about it briefly in the book, but it's okay if that is then what God wants you to do, you know, but you first have to set it aside and have some distance from it to be really open to whatever God wants you to do. It's okay if if in that process of discernment, you you've set aside what you desire to do. And if that's what God calls you to, that's fine. That can be a holy moment as well. Um, but yeah, it's just that it's moments collaborating with God. And in order to do that, we have to get out of an unselfish state. Uh, and we get there fairly easily, naturally. Amen. And you start off the, the book uh, speaking about, well, I don't know how much I should give away because obviously we want people to read the book. Um, but speaking about hunger, well, first there was a beautiful story about the monks in the in, in the woods and and about the Messiah in the presence. Uh, Messiah is in your presence, and then about hunger, and then about meaning, and that every like we all have a desire for something that can't be can't be completely fulfilled in this life. I was just speaking about this. Uh, over the course of a couple uh, weeks now, uh, I was asked to speak uh, to the entire confirmation program, which was over 600 students, 10th graders and 9th graders. And I really wanted to get across this thing that was passed along to me is that, as you mentioned in this book, we are made for more. And that there's this desire within us, there's this hunger within us that not one person, not one thing in this life, no finite thing can really quench that that quench this desire uh, for the infinite, if you will, as um, uh, Christopher West says sometimes. And, but that there is, a, there is someone that can, and that person is God, right? And we would say to children, you know, something like, We're all, we all have a God-shaped hole in our hearts, and which could only be filled by God because it's God-shaped. You know, it's an, an, kind of another way of saying that. And so you do talk about this, this, this life, this hunger for, for meaning, and for purpose and how we were made for more than, than just this world and, and made for God. But then it's as simple as, okay, so then we just invite God in. He's, I, I have down in my, in my no, God is, is never more than one choice away. I was like, he's never choice. It's just taking a time to let God in. That could be a holy moment, just stopping. Hundred percent. The other day, somebody somebody asked me, and I'm talking to them about, you know, desire and and all. I'm talking about the you know different theological thing. We were on our way for the March for Life, so I was getting the pro life stuff. And then the person said, "How pray?" And I was like, "Wow, um, you know how we're conversing right now? Um, it's it's conversing with your diner. It's just taking some moments." completely let him in and as uh, to use the, what you use uh in, in this book is that you know any moment that we put aside just anything that's going on in our life our anxieties our fears our joys our whatever it is and just taking time to be quiet with the lord um in the silence letting him in our life can be changed in that in that in that one moment or five minutes or 10 minutes or or, or 30 minutes and God, I love how you say that God is never more than just one choice away. He's never more than one choice away. And then I would like to say that then when we let him in, 
into that choice, or if we rather surrender our, our wills to his, then our choices in a certain sense, if we really surrender our life and our will to God, and please correct me if I'm wrong, in a certain sense, then hopefully our, our choices become his choices or his choices become what we want, his will, you know, something like that. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think all of that is true. Um, you know, when we think about the meaning, think about made for more, I think the main thing I wanted to say there was that we can't live meaningful lives by f- filling our lives with meaningless things. And, and it, it seems our culture more and more wants to fill our lives with meaningless things, meaningless conversations, meaningless, you know, ways of relating. And I think we have to be more conscious and more intentional about saying, okay, um, how, how can I fill my life with meaning? Because uh, I can't live without it. And then with the second piece, you know, God lives in the eternal now. We can't have union with God by trying to get into the future or into the past. You know, he He is here. He meets us in the now. And um, in the book, I even, you know, you mentioned these, these feelings that are so dominant in our culture, whether it's anxiety or fear or depression or these sorts of things, you know, and um, I got my kids and we t- we have this like a little get together on Sunday night. We talk about different things, you know, and um, we talk about feelings a few weeks ago, talk about feelings, you know, what are feelings, you know, and, and I tell them, you know, from the book, you know, feelings are messengers, you know, so what is the message, you know, and my daughter, she really wanted to be past president and she didn't win the election. And she was like, she was, she was crushed, you know, she really, she wanted to do this. And, um, and of course, what a lot of people say is, oh, don't worry, there'll be other chances, you know, but that, that's dismissing her feelings, you know? And, and so I sat down with her that night and I said, how are you feeling? She's like, you know, I'll be okay. There'll be, be, you know, I can do it next year or, you know, all the sort of things that we use to cover up stuff. And I said, no, but Isabel, really, how are you feeling? You know? And she's like, I'm, I was really, I was really sad and I, I'm disappointed, you know? And I said, so what do you think the message is from those feelings? And she's like, I, I don't know. And, and I said, well, I mean, for one, this was really important to you, right? For, for whatever your reasons are, this was really important to you. And it's important not to deny that. It's important not to set that aside. And you worked really hard and you tried to make your case and you wrote your speech and you gave your speech and all these sorts of things. And, and you're disappointed because you really care about it. And when you really care about things and they don't come about, it's natural to be sad and disappointed. You know, so it's okay to be in those feelings. You don't need to rush through those feelings. So I think that the idea that God is in the moment with us, he's in the moment with us in our anxiety, in our sadness, in our disappointment, um, and in our great joys and our, our ecstasies and our, um, our triumphs. And our culture is, is very dismissive of that, I think. And so... I think the idea of a moment 
it's so doable, right? So you talk about, okay, I can do that. And in the four signs of a dynamic Catholic, I say at the beginning, if you get to the end of any of these four signs and your response is not a resounding, I can do that, you have misunderstood me, you know, because it's, it's just doable. And what I love about the holy moment is that it proves that holiness is possible just by proving that anyone can create a holy moment. Because if you can create a holy moment, if you can collaborate with God today to create one single holy moment, that proves that you're capable of holiness, that holiness is possible. And as I said in my uh, book, The Biggest Lie in the History of Christianity, the biggest lie in the history of Christianity is the idea that holiness is not possible. And we have absolutely accepted that lie as a church. I mean, people, um, we have accepted the lie that holiness is not possible in the modern age, just hand over fist. And once you take the goal away, we're just stumbling around in the dark. What I love about the holy moment is like, if you say to someone, can you live a holy life? They're like, oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. And that's big. And I'm intimidated. And that's like forever. And But if you say to someone, can you create a holy moment? Okay, what's a holy moment? Okay, it's a moment where you collaborate with God and you do what you feel, really feel what God is calling you to do. Yeah, I can do that for a moment. Okay, and if you can do one today, you can do two tomorrow, right? Yeah, I'd probably do two tomorrow. If you do two tomorrow, you can probably do four the next day. And you see where it goes. The, the saints did not live holy lives. They lived holy moments. You know, we talk about the lives of the saints as if St. Francis, boom, there's a holy life. It wasn't one action. It was millions of holy moments and lots of unholy moments. And to be honest, in the lives of the saints, a lot of really dark, I mean, really, a lot of really dark stuff goes on in the lives of the saints as well before they started creating holy moments. And, and so I love the idea that, okay, a holy moment, yeah, I can do that. Anyone can do that. And anyone who pretends they can't is kidding themselves. And I believe it to be true because it's already creating holy moments uh, in my life. So I want to say to everybody, please uh, get a copy. Matthew, how could uh, people get a copy of this book? So you can get six free copies at holymomentsbook.com. All you do is pay the shipping. $6.95 shipping. We'll send you six free copies, one for yourself and five of your friends, and really trying to start a movement in our culture of holy moments. So invite people to join us with that holy moments book. Dot com and of course dynamiccatholic.com lots of resources there for the book as well yeah and I, I of course i will put all these links uh in the show notes um and i'll put them up when i when i post these things uh i can't encourage people to um read it more again it is a, a quick read it's a great read but it's also very powerful it's not the type of read where i, I got done reading it or listening to the audiobook and said okay well that was good like I, i'm gonna go go back to it and in fact this morning I had a doctor's appointment and my doctor, I guess, is friends with me on uh, Facebook or whatever. I didn't even realize that and saw because I posted a picture of me in this book saying, you know, I'm prepping for this interview. And they said to me, you know, I can't believe that you're doing this today because somebody came up to me and said, uh, hey, doc, I, I have a book for you that I want you to read. And it was this book. And they said, um, I'm, I'm about halfway through, but I'm going to, I already know that I want to reread it. Um, and the stories, the personal stories in here of, of what people did, I'm not going to get into the whole thing now, especially that, that woman with the, 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 uh, with the, the mother's day cards at the, the prison. Holy moly. 
Yeah. And, and if I may, I have to ask you one, one question about it. The, the story, I don't want to give it away, but I am going to say this and hopefully it'll tr- intrigue people to go and read it. The story about Winston Churchill. I mean, is that true? Uh, this, we're not going to say what it is because we want people to read it, but that is that to me was like holy moly. <laughs> yeah, disputed and debated. But um, so I did a lot of research around that, and I'm denied about whether to include it or not include it, and it, it definitely is not definitive. Um, but the message is definitive, yeah. you know, and and so there's that. But I mean, you talk about the. The uh, the prison and the Mother's Day cards. It's like whoa! I ca- I can't read that. I've read it a hundred times. I can't read it without crying. Um, and then the nurse, you know, the nurse um, who gets cancer. Oh yeah, for yeah. Friends, read oh my heavens! Yes, like, for three years. Yeah, three years gets people. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna say it, but so good. All right, so I'm a little bit. Okay, so we talked about holy moments, and I'm trying to be a book reviewer, which is a little out of character for me. But now I'm just going to ask you some questions if that's okay. Great. All right. Awesome. And and thank you for, again, this time. So I have to ask you, uh, and this is not too far from the topic because you said you'll get six uh, free copies. How were you able to offer so many free copies of your books? As long as I have ever heard your name, we've been getting free copies, free copies. I don't know anyone that does what you do it's it's really it's 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 absolutely fascinating but you know this parish that i'm at for christmas they're all getting one of your books for lent they're all getting one of your books when i first met you i got a free copy of you discover catholicism how is this possible yeah it's a great question so when i first got started um i would i would travel from city to city 250 days a year and i was young right this is 30 years ago it's 30 years so this year I turned 50. It's 30 years since I started speaking and writing and Dynamic Catholic is 15 years old. Okay. So it's a big year. And so it has me doing a lot of reflecting. But when I first started, you know, I'm a young guy talking about the faith. So every city I would go to, they'd say, we've got to get you to speak at the high school. Will you speak at the high school? So usually I get up 6 a.m., first flight out of wherever I'm flying out of, into wherever I'm going and straight to the high school, speak in the high school in the afternoon. And then speak in the parish in the evening. And then same day, same thing next day and the day after that. And that's that was the routine. And um, I noticed particularly speaking in the high schools, it's like these guys are under a lot of pressure culturally. And that's 30 years ago. It's infinitely greater now. And I realized, okay, I can speak to them for an hour, but... It's easy for them to be distracted by something that's on their mind or something their friends are doing or whatever. I really want to give them, I want them to be able to take the message away with them. And so at that time, we started giving every kid in every high school a free book. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, different things have come over time. Obviously, the Christmas thing. That's about 17 years old now. And um, just the idea that so many people only come to church once a year at Christmas, you know, and and let's put something in their hands that they're going to take home. Because the th- thing about physical books, that will never go away when it comes to evangelization. Because if you give someone a book, they put it somewhere. Most people will not throw a book away. 
Okay, even if they know, even if they know they're not going to read it, they won't actually throw a book in the trash. Very few people will do that. They'll send it to Goodwill when the time comes, but they'll put that book somewhere. Might throw it on the back seat in the car, might put it on their bedside table. And the thing about physical objects and evangelization is those physical objects, they talk to people. Okay, so someone gets the book and they throw it on the back seat of the car, and the next day they're going to get in the car and they catch, they see the book out of the corner of their eye, and that book says to them, I'm still here. You haven't read me yet. You know, or they put it on their bedside table and they go to get into bed and that book, it actually talks to them. It says, I'm still here. You said you were going to read me. You haven't read me yet. When are you going to read me? It looks like you put another book on top of me. Like, so physical objects, placing physical objects with the message into people's environments is criti critically important. I have always believed that. And, and and so that's the heart of, of why I've always done this. The second piece is, like, if, if I had to choose one parable and say, okay, my ministry that God has given me is based on one parable, it is the parable of the sower. Okay, and the sower goes out to sow seed, and he goes out to sow seed generously, and he doesn't care where the seed falls. He doesn't say, I'm going to take this one seed and I'm going to place it right in this really rich soil and make sure that it grows and brings a hundred. No, he just goes out and he sows generously and he sows abundantly. And some falls on the road and some falls in the thorns and some falls in the rich soil and some falls on the hard soil. And, and then someone comes down the road and kicks that seed. They're just walking along the road. They don't kick it on purpose, but they walk along the road. They kick that seed. It ends up in the rich soil, right? How many stories I've had of people, oh, yeah, 20 years ago, you spoke to my son in high school and you gave him a book and then he went to college and I was having a tough time and I picked up that book. You know, that's like the seed getting kicked from the road, right, into the rich soil. Yeah. And so I've just always believed just so generously, so generously. Now, the other part of your question is a really practical, is a really practical question. And that is like how how the heck do you pay for all these books? And, yeah, I didn't know if I'm allowed to ask for that. And I can yes. edit anything out, by the way. It's this a is great not question. Okay, it's a great, great question. I wish people would ask more. You know, oh, um, hey, like the reality back. is, is that I, I, I've been very successful. I've been very blessed. I have a very successful um, consulting business. Consults primarily to Fortune 500 companies. A very successful publishing company. Publish almost 300 authors. Um, and my books have sold like 50 million copies. It's an astounding number of books, probably less than a hundred people in American history have sold 50 million books. It's a lot of books and sold. Then, they were sold. Those were right. those. Wow. And, um, and so, you know, God has been good. And, and I always tell the people at Dynamic Catholic, never once in 30 years, have we not been able to do something we felt called to do because we didn't have the money. You know, and a lot of people, when they want to do something good, they think, okay, I got to go and get the money and then I'll do the good thing. And we always talk about here at Dynamic Catholic, money follows mission. You know, people think it's the other way around. People think when I get some money, then I'll do some mission. No, no. You get out there, you start doing some mission. Money follows mission. And all the time and abundantly, God will make sure the resources are there to do what he's calling us to do. And um, I really believe that. I trust in that. I've been blessed for 30 years to have so many amazing people around me, you know, and when I would go on the road, we'd sell tickets, right? What would we use that money for? 
We use that money to create the First Communion program and create the Confirmation program and to give free books away in prisons and poorer parishes and schools and just so it's it's just the it's the parable of the sower. Thank you for answering that. Uh, I appreciate that. And I do want to be respectful of your time. So if I could maybe just ask you maybe one more or two more questions. We've probably I, got time for three more. Three more. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. You're being more generous. See, you're good with math. You're always thinking outside the box. All right. So this Matthew Kelly thing, I mean, you talked a little bit about how, why do you think you have this, you, why do you think this thing happened? Why were so people attracted? Why did people want to hear you come speak? And it ended up in this huge company and, and you have a consulting firm and your own publishing company, but it started as this 15 year old kid whose life was changed by, by, by prayer, you know, and, and mentorship. And, but, but why do you think this whole thing happened? This why, why do you think it's so successful? Uh, and fruitful is really the word. I, I really don't know. I, I, I really don't know. I think there are some things that I know. Like I really try hard. From the beginning of Dynamic Catholic, you know, our tagline has been meeting people where they are and leading people to where God is calling them to be, you know. And I really try hard to think about, okay, where are people really, you know. and And sometimes... You know, people will say, well, we're meeting people where they're at. And you realize, no, actually, you're really not. It's like you're still a long way from where people are at, you know. And um, I'll use an example, not to criticize the bishops, but I'll use the example. Sometimes I'll be at a confirmation and a bishop will give their homily, you know. And I'll be like, okay, there's a huge gap between where these kids are at. You know, these girls, you know, these girls that their boyfriend's probably pressuring them to have sex, right? That's where they're at, you know? And and unless we can speak into that, then we can't speak to them. So um, I think that's one thing. Another thing, I have seven brothers. They're all very different. They all approach God, religion, spirituality, very different. And so that is, I do when I'm writing, I think, well, which of my brothers would read this one? You know, which of my brothers would, you know, throw this one in the trash, you know? Um, but really trying to reach people. And, and what, when I try to write, I want to write something that can expand or contract according to where the person is at. Okay. So you talked earlier about reading the book. Okay. You can read between the lines. You have this theological education. You know, I could say something in a very practical way to someone, but you, because of your theological education, you're able to say, oh, that ties back to that scripture, and that ties back to Vatican II, and that ties back to this church teaching. So it's able to expand or contract. But if I said, okay, here's the one line, and then let me explain how that resolves in scripture, and let me explain how the Second Vatican II celebrated that, and let me explain how history and tradition and the church fathers, you know, I lose, I lose so many people. So I'm trying to write something that can expand or contract according to where you are as a reader. And 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 the people have more education spiritually um, and theologically, they're, they're able to see, okay, they're, that, they're, that's the roots. That's where that goes back to. But the person who doesn't need that isn't burdened by that. It doesn't stop them from getting into the message and living the message. One of the things that I really appreciated about the end of this book of Holy Moments is – 
you were honest at that about some of the criticism, not not specific, but some of the criticism or that you've received. And I feel like you addressed a, a little bit of that and not criticism in general, but talking about this discouragement, how we all get discouraged. And, you know, it really spoke to me. Um, and you said, you know, how do I know this? Why am I speaking about this? Because this this happened to me. I get discouraged from times to times. Or you mentioned something about 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 criticism we all receive and that you've received, and yet, you know, not staying discouraged. You know, um, and you, you know, knowing who you are. And I, I don't know if you were referring to that because you put things in a way that maybe you don't then explain this or that. But you know. I just want to say that I appreciate you, that many people appreciate you and are very grateful for, I mean, you don't need me to tell you that. I mean, you got 30 million, 50 million uh, books sold or whatever, but um, it, it just really touched me personally when you opened up at the end of that book um, about the discouragement and not stay, not, it's not that don't, don't get discouraged, but don't stay discouraged. Um, and I think that's a message that for all of us. Yeah, I think that's important. I, I th always think of the Holy Spirit as the great encourager. And I sometimes feel like we're not a very encouraging church. Um, I sometimes feel like there isn't anywhere near enough encouragement in the church and that we, we can be critical of things and, and unnecessarily so. So in my case, I accept that my books are not for everyone. I accept that. Okay, but that's not a reason to criticize it. I think sometimes in the church, we're like, if it's not for me, it's bad, you know, and, and that's a mistake. You know, I would like my critics to be able to say, okay, that's not for me. Matthew's books are not for me, but I can understand how they might be a really helpful stepping stone for some people, because I think that is fair. I think that is the truth. And, and I think we struggle as a church to say, okay, that's not for me, but I can understand how that might draw people along the journey with God. And I think I would like us to, to get more encouraging and get to, to a more mature place with some of those things. Amen. I think this is great stuff. And maybe one day I could invite you back down the road for a, a Joe Rogan type podcast, you know, like uh, where we really get into these things, you know, or Howard Stern type interview or whatever. But um, last question, you, you gave me three. I think I'll only ask you two. So the last question is, um, Somebody you meet on the street, it's the only opportunity you'll ever get to talk to them uh, or somebody listening to this podcast, and they just want to know, how do I even start? What, what even is it? How do I become? How do I, I pray? How do I, I, I let God love me? I don't even know what it means to be a Catholic. What's the one thing you had one opportunity to say to anyone out there that doesn't even know where to turn? but they're, they're, they're open a little bit. Their eyes, like St. Ignatius of Loyola, open just a little bit. What would you say to them? Your life is a collection of moments. Some moments are holy. Some moments are unholy. You get to decide. And the reason is that because by bringing that awareness, by once they start to look at moments through the lens of holy moments or unholy moments, it automatically leads to a conversation with God. You know, because he's the knower. He he knows which moments are holy, which moments are unholy. We know in our hearts for, for the large extent, for the great majority, but there are some when we are gonna have to say, okay, well, I don't know what I don't know what the holy moment is here. Um, and that it naturally draws us to God to to ask the question, God, what should I do here? And 
and that's the question that changed my life. You know, God, what should I do? And um, and when we're asking that question, he is going to lead us. He is going to guide us. He's like a great father. He's not going to he's not going to leave us just hanging out there. He's he's gonna he's gonna encourage us. He's gonna challenge us. He's gonna guide us. And so that's yeah, that's the thing. Amen. Well, listen, thank you. Uh, you've given me more than uh, enough time. I, I truly believe that uh, our, the listeners and the viewers uh, are going to be touched by this. Uh, I'll put all the everything in the show notes, the website of the book, um, the, your, your own personal website. Uh, any final thoughts? Great to be with you. I know this is a relatively new venture for you, so keep doing it. We need to evangelize. We need to, we need to reach new people in new places. They're not coming to church anymore. So we've got to get out there and reach them. And so um, just really encourage you to keep keep up this good work. Thank you, Matthew. And uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for, first, I want to thank your mentor, uh, whoever he was. And I want to thank the Lord God for introducing me uh, to your talk at the Focus Conference 2006 in Jersey City, uh, which was a game changer for me, a game changer. Mm. And um, And when I became a priest, you emailed me very kindly, and you said, if there's anything that I could ever do for you, congratulations on your ordination, praying for you, and let me know if there's anything that I could do to serve your priesthood. And I can't tell you how much that meant to me. Uh, I, can't, I, I can't tell you how, and I, believe me, it's been a ride. It's been 11 and a half years. It's been bumpier than I ever in a million, a million years thought it ever would be. Um, but I got to tell you, um, it's people like you and some of my other good friends that I've interviewed on here it's, um, that give me hope and, and help me to keep going, to not stay discouraged So, and to choose holy moments. So thank you, Matthew Kelly. God bless you. And um, I'm going to end it here, and then I'll just say goodbye to you. You're very welcome. God bless. Yeah.